What's up, everybody? This is indeed the E-Man, chilling like a villain, singing like Bob Dylan, keep it on low with some double stuff. Oreos. And right now, guys, I have a special guest right now, special treat, man. You know, when it, it, people who know me know that I love movies. Movies are my bread and butter, okay? And this actor right here, he happens to be in two movies that I absolutely positively love. He's been in many movies, though. He's been in Leprechaun. He was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Teen Wolf 1 and 2. And his, his film career has uh, decades long. You know, I come to the show today, and I just want to welcome Mr. Mark Holton. How are you doing today? I am well. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Emmanuel, for having me on, man. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, no problem. No problem. Um, so, man, this is this is a this is a treat. Generally, how are you doing today on this beautiful Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon? Uh, it has been absolute roasting hell week here, and uh, was up to like you know 109, 108, and you know <laughs> they tack on the feels like feels like you're gonna die. Yeah, and so it's finally we're getting some breezes in, and the rain has been hitting all around us. But uh, soon, soon it'll, it'll come just in time for the rest of my lawn to turn completely brown. <laughs> you're, you're over there in Oklahoma, right? Yes, sir. In right. the uh, Tulsa area, and we're, we're in somewhat of a drought after going through a, just uh, deluges and flood alerts. And now it's, it's gone the other way. It's just nuts. Wow. Wow. I'm in, I'm in South Carolina, so I feel you, man, because like right now it has to be like, it's 98, but it feels like 120. You know what I mean? So oh, it's, um, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I am happy for you if you're in South Carolina. I've yeah. got a friend that, uh, older friend that moved there, and he and his wife just love it. He's in like the Charleston area? Um, it's a little place. It's, it's on, the, on the coast. Uh, they were renting, and they just found a house recently. Um, <clears throat> and I can't think of the name of the of, of the town. Oh, okay. But it, uh, it's it's uh, I I couldn't afford to live there. That's all I know. So ah, uh, yeah. probably I, I I don't know a lot. Like I moved here like maybe actually I've been here for fourteen years, but I relatively stay in like my town, and then like I live in a town. I live like twenty minutes away from Charlotte, North Carolina, so I travel there, or whatever. But that's like my my go to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I always like to start off with every interview with the childhood. So I wanted to ask you, like, uh, what was your childhood like living in Oklahoma City? And um, what was your favorite cereal growing up? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, when I was just before I turned four, I moved from Oklahoma City to a small town. And I, I don't remember uh, my life in Oklahoma City very much. Just, you know, little little things there but after I moved here you know we had the kids in the neighborhood that uh, were knocking on the door wondering who the new kid was and of course everybody was Lone Ranger crazy then right right uh, we had three television stations and on the you know we had cartoons uh in the afternoon we had on the weekends we had uh westerns and more westerns right and occasionally a Tarzan movie which right. uh, which we loved. So it was it was kind of like growing up in Mar Mayberry, North Carolina. Uh, oh, like Mayberry, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there were big uh, Dutch, Dutch elms that covered the street and shaded it. And, uh, and it, it was pretty idyllic. Uh, uh, had, had a good childhood. 
So, oh, and my favorite cereal. Well, you know, I, I would usually eat cereal in the evening, like it's okay, yeah. or whatever. And that would uh, probably be something like uh, Rice Krispies with bananas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mother was a, a Southern cook. So, you know, if you had cereal, it was usually oatmeal or grits, yellow yeah, grits. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I still love those <laughs> a lot. Absolutely, yeah. man. Like, um, like, I, like I was, like I said, I was born in Jersey, but I was raised in North Carolina and I live in South Carolina now, but even like, even growing up, like my only options really were like oatmeal, Bisquick pancakes or um, cornflakes. That's it. But I would have yep. to go over to my cousin's house to get the exclusive stuff. Like I would go and open up his cupboard. He would have everything from tricks to to um, Lucky Charms to all the monster cereals. And it was beautiful. But um, so I understand what you're saying. As a matter of fact, I remember the first time I had apples and cinnamon oatmeal. And I was like, oh, my God, this is actually pretty good. You know, <laughs> you know, um, 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 what was your favorite? You're talking about cartoons. What was your favorite cartoon growing up? Because like I, I was like I'm a child of the '80s, so what was your favorite Saturday morning cartoon? Um, they were usually Merry Melodies, uh, Warner Brothers, Bugs Bunny, yeah, man, Sylvester, uh, all those great classics. Um, and then uh, in the afternoons after school, they would usually have uh, something like Uncle Zeb's Cartoon Camp, where the kids are in the bleachers and uh, you know they're playing cartoons and. And so uh, there, there was, you know, uh, you know, treats when we'd go to the movies or whatever, we would see things like Pink Panther uh, right. as, as a tease before the film. So um, we had we had great cartoons. We, uh, you know, if, if, if you were uh, lucky enough to see a Disney cartoon, right, uh, that was pretty special. And you pretty much had to see that in the theater or forget it till VHS came out, of course. Right, he's in a small town, and um, so like movies, movies were everything to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean like going to the movies were was a, was a big deal. It wasn't it wasn't something that happened often. And um, the, I remember I, I will never ever 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 forget like the first time I went to the movies, and I and I watched um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and it can as an eight-year-old kid, you know, who didn't see Raiders of the Lost Ark, I didn't know what to expect, and it completely blew my mind. Like, I mean, voodoo dolls and monkey brains and, and all this stuff was foreign to me. So, it, but it, it totally gave me my first movie-going experience. So as an actor, I ask you, what was your first movie that really blew your mind? You were like, oh my gosh, I gotta be an actor. What, what, what was it? Well, I, I really don't know, remember how that hit. It kind of came about uh, when I saw the movie, I loved it. Um, I loved the movie Patton. I love okay. Godfather or whatever, but, uh, my opportunity, uh, to, uh, to become an actor, uh, was actually to raise my grade in uh, my freshman year. And I, I was getting a horrible grade in, uh, in, uh, English. So one of the ways you could do that is to enter an intramural contest of standard oratory. And of course, like an idiot, I, uh, I chose Patton's address to his men, which is just laced with, you know, foul mouth, you know, 
expletives just, you know, machine gun fire one after the other. But right. it like society put it put up with it because, well, that was General Patton. That's what he had to do to win World War II. So that was probably my mentality. And uh, next thing I know, I'm standing up in front of the student body and, and belting this stuff out and uh, saved my grade, uh, won the competition and got called to the principal's office. Okay. And I thought it through and I went, you know, that was a really bonehead move. I'm probably going to be expelled. And in fact, I just, you know, I know I'm going to be expelled. So the, uh, the vice principal sat me down and he just pretty much stared at me and made me uncomfortable for a little bit and said, you know, we don't use that language at this school ever. And I mm. said, yes, sir. I just thought he goes, cool it. He said, don't do it again. Go back to class. And then he goes, good job. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that uh, getting away with, with the shit, you know. I thought, well, this is, uh, this is fine. I've got my little gold medal. I think I'll just stick with this through high school and see where it leads. Nice. So that, that, was the, uh, that was the moment. That was my opportunity. And I, uh, you know, I always trace it back to that, that one day. Um, and uh, uh, glad I took the chance. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Like, Absolutely. Team Wolf 1 and 2, man. Like, I, I, okay, so let me, let's start off with Team Wolf, man. <clears throat> Which came out in 85, um, starring Michael J. Fox, uh, Jerry Levine, uh, uh, Susan, uh, what was your last name? Ursette. Ursette and the late, great James Hampton. And yeah. It's it's like this, man. Like there, like there aren't too many movies. Like I remember as a kid, like loving that movie so much. I would go in the bathroom mirror and pretend I was changing. I was like, you know, doing this number like Michael J. Fox was doing, and um, <laughs> and also it was written by Jeff Lowe, who now is like this big wig at Marvel Studios. So it's you know he's written comic books and stuff like that. My movie foundation, you know what I mean, and. And it's so funny now, I watch it now differently as an adult, because there were moments as a kid I would watch and would make me feel uncomfortable and I didn't understand why. And now as an adult, I understand it. Um, there's a part where, um, you know, they're at the dance, like it's like, like during the final scene where they're at the dance and Mick just punches Scott. And then he, you know, he insults his date and you know, Scott, of course, you know, turns into a werewolf and he just lashes out on him. And like when he punches Mick, I'm sorry, when Mick punches Scott, nobody really defends him. I mean, nobody like stands up for him. You know, these, I remember like from that perspective from the ground, you know, that he's looking up and all, all his friends are circling him. He's like, you know, and I, I just remember feeling like, well, why wouldn't they help him? What's your interpretation of it? Well, I think, uh, that, that the Beavers uh, team itself and, and uh, represents the kids in high school that weren't part of the in crowd, that weren't part of the clique, mm -hmm. that were, uh, you know, looked down on differently, uh, looked look down on, uh, excluded. And there's not that big a percentage of people that are, you know, in, in, the, in the know, the, the cool crowd the biggest percentage of any class of uh, 
high schooler are going to be people uh, like I was in high school, you know, you're mm. picked on, you know, you're, or, or you're a nerd or whatever. And I think it was just, you know, and uh, it was like, yeah, you know, it, this, you know, I'm living vicariously, you know, through these people and they should by, by all rights, you know, this, this team should just be, you know, wiped out every game, but they're winning, you know, and I, I think it just kind of tugs on those uh, heartstrings, those, those feelings that you can, uh, you know, that you, people got a lot of satisfaction from that. And I, I have, I hear from people and this, you know, recently, it, and it's just starting to blow my mind, quite honestly, Emmanuel, there are people in Scotland in uh, parts of the UK that that still watch this on a regular basis. That oh, yeah. some of their television stations are still running it, and then Spain, you know, they're, they're, it's, Spain is huge. It's it, yeah. it is it is not just a, a cult uh, classic uh, in you know American culture. Um, it is also you know it, it's it's got a a global presence or it, as limited as it is, but. Uh, but but I was really shocked. You know how does that translate? You got a you got the film, uh, and uh, of course you know it's it's going to be uh, translated to uh, to Spanish, uh, and and, uh, and and yet yet it succeeded with with the story. It, it affected them the way it affected you and me. Yeah. You know, so I thought that was you know a pretty neat tribute. Anyway, I'm glad that's one of your faves. Oh man, absolutely, man! Like, is it? Um, so I have to ask you, man, what was it like uh, working with uh, Michael J. Fox, late great James Hampton, and even Jerry Levine, who write? You know, now he's he's directing and writing and doing all this other stuff. What was it like working with those people? Uh, they were great. They, we all had a lot of fun. Uh, Jerry was a hoot and a half always. Michael <laughs> was very kind to me. Very kind to me, and. Uh, uh, actually uh, was instrumental in, in ex expanding my role. Chubby initially was, uh, was not very big uh, in the script. Okay. He was pretty much uh, a sight gag. You know, uh, the, the fat friend takes a big bite of Twinkie and, you know, we do the, the close-up and he's, you know, chewing the Twinkie and wah, wah, wah. Right, right. And every film back then, you know, you had the fat friend Right, take a bite of candy bar or something like that. So it it they just uh, they they it, they limited that uh, I think to one scene um, in the locker room, and then uh, you know they, they started you know developing the story, and when you have a you know like a story that's developing in in motion, you know on a basketball court, uh, there were you know moments to where, okay, well how do we how do we go from point A to point B? And then, you know, Michael would, would pop in and say, why don't you have Chubby do it? Nice. And, uh, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think you should do that. <laughs> so it, uh, by the time, you know, the, the film was over, I was just blown away. You know, I started out as this, uh, you know, uh, side gag. And, you know, here I'm, I'm being carried on, a, you know, on the shoulders of, of the crowd. That's like uh, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, you know, you. Look, I look back on it. You know, I, I really. It really didn't hit me back then because it was just a, 
another notch in my belt, so to speak, you know, as I was going along. But I definitely, uh, definitely have fond memories for that. And then I would run into a James Hampton. Of course, I grew up watching James Hampton, Hampton in, in, on television. And I would run into him at auditions. He would always ask how I'm doing. And uh, he, he pretty much knew, you know, if I was uh, uh, having a little trouble or whatever. And he, he followed me outside and talked to me. He was a wolf dad. A wolf dad. Yeah. So I miss him. Yeah, he, no, he, cool seemed, he seemed really nice. He's like a, he's like a nice guy. Yeah. Well, Jerry, um, Jerry tells a story and I, I don't know if he does podcasts. I don't think so. I don't. Uh, in fact, I've, I've had trouble uh, just, you know, finding out a way to get him a message and say hi. Uh, but um, one of my favorite Team Wolf stories from a cast member comes from him. In fact, it okay. is. <clears throat> After the film, uh, Jerry goes to Israel and he's doing the big tour and he goes to the Wailing Wall. And being Jewish, uh, Jerry goes up to the Wailing Wall mm -hmm. and, stands, and the guy standing next to him stops his prayers and goes, Styles? <laughs> That's great. That is so cool, man. That is so cool. That, that yeah. that's great. Is like how, how universally loved that movie is. Like, and and the 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 part that really gets me in the feels is like that's like the like the third act of the movie when you guys are playing the you start you're playing the final game and then that song kicks in when in the end and it's yeah. like D -d 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 -d. I, I, man and then at the very end you know shooting for the moon plays and to this day it still gives it still makes me feel a certain way man it really, it really hits me in the feels man to this day man it's, it's just the it's 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 so it's such a shift from the you know earlier parts of the movie it goes from being this comedy to being this fantastic sports movie you know and one of the best you know sports movie moments in history in my opinion you know just to see wow. you know like you get carried off and you know and, and you know Scott has the courage to not use his gifts but you know just quote unquote, I guess, be himself and, you know, and everybody working as a team, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I haven't run into any fans that were just kind of eh, wishy-washy, you know, about the film. They, they either, uh, they either love it or, you know, they don't mention it. So I, I appreciate that. And, uh, wow. Okay. Well, that was worth the trip just to hear you say all that. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Absolutely, man. Um, I wanted to ask you too, um, as far as, um, um, I'll never forget, like the, um, I went to a video store and I saw this big standee and it had Jason Bateman up there and it said Teen Wolf 2. I was like, they made another one. And I was like, hold on. I remember, I remember seeing it briefly advertised. It didn't stay in the theaters long. And then I was like, okay, I can rent it. And I was so excited. And, you know, um, came out in 87. It was written by Tim Crane, who actually end up writing and creating one of my favorite shows which is called heroes i don't know if you ever watched that show that show was fantastic um and of course starring jason bateman the legendary john Aston, um and yourself and to this day i, I work on the college campus <laughs> and um i work as a um in the cafeteria and every time i walk on the college campus that theme song that, that college, that I, I associate college with that movie. So I, that I associate college with a different world and Team Wolf 2. 
So I always hear that theme song. Hamilton, no oh, Hamilton. Every time I walk on the, th- you know, it's not even Hamilton, but I-, I love that movie too. I mean, it's it's very um, it's it's pretty much the same movie, but I, I just I, I love Jason Bateman, and I really like the fact that your character becomes kind of a renaissance man because you see Chubb, you know, he he knows how to fence. He he's a DJ. He 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 knows how to play the tuba. So he come he becomes more fleshed out. So what was it like being on that set? Oh, that was that was great. Um, you know, we're riding around in Corvettes, and uh, of course, uh, you know, wardrobes bringing us cool jackets and Casal sunglasses and every flavor of tennis shoe uh, you can imagine. You know, the the uh, tennis shoe manufacturers and and other manufacturers are just like supplying it and well he's like uh you know at the end you got to take all the cool stuff home um yeah i think fact, la gear uh, right it was huh? la gear shoes right uh oh I, I i there was all sorts of stuff i had a pair of boots um that were i called them my dalmatian boots okay and they, were, they were black and white spotted fur and i wish i had kept them they were just too weird I don't remember the wearing them in the film. I don't think they ever made it on film, but I kept them anyway. <laughs> cool. It was a really neat, neat time. And we were uh, uh, staying in, at, at Claremont colleges or whatever. So the, we, we had a, we just, we had a great time offset after, you know, rap every night or on the weekend. Uh, there was always cool stuff to do. And, uh, and Jason was uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, and and uh, and the and the guy that uh, the played Styles uh, uh, in part two or whatever, uh, he he was great, Stuart Fraction. Yeah, Stuart. Yeah, and, yeah. So um, yeah, it was. Um, I, I I wish uh, the film had turned out to be uh, as good as uh, uh, the experience was for me selfishly. Hmm. Uh, I remember like years ago, I read like in a magazine where Jason Bateman, either it was Jason or it was Stewart that said that, because your experience sounds great, but I believe one of them said like, there was like a lot of tension as far as on the set because there was so much pressure for it to be better than the first one. You know what I mean? So I was, I'm not sure. Well, I, um, I don't know about that. I, I think maybe that's that's a, a guesstimation. Most of the films uh, at that time, uh, a lot of the studios, they, they were just, uh, they had a formula. And if right. they had hit with uh, part one, then uh, the sequel is going to do three quarters of that. That was the formula. And I don't, I don't think that the people that were actually, you know, pulling the strings uh, the money changers or whatever. I don't think they gave a shit. You know, if it, if it, you know, I don't think they were really pushing anybody. Um, I, 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 ne- I never felt like that or got, got that vibe uh, from Jason. And I, it, it, it was certainly have translated if, if there was any pressure on him. So I don't know. Cool. And there, did you get a chance to um, meet um, um, John Aston? You know, cause I remember oh, him yeah. from the Adams family. What was he oh, like? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he's great. He, he's, uh, you know, I, I, I have something that, you know, I usually say this about people that, 
that are really genuine or whatever. Uh, and I always say, is somebody you'd want for a neighbor? Yeah. Uh, he was that guy. And uh, of course, he had a, a long, uh, you know, theater uh, resume or whatever. And he was just just a lot of fun. I think we went out to dinner one time. Cool. And then, uh, he had uh, had a young man named Sean Aston. Uh, yes. Him on the set. A very shy young man or whatever that would go on to become Sam. Sam Wise Ganji. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it just, you know, a lot of people that I, I ran into uh, just high and by, nice to meet you, would, would you know, go on to, uh, to just astronomical careers. Uh, Absolutely. And I, I know, I, I, you know, I'm a big Goonies fan. So I remember Sean being Mikey from the Goonies, you know. And that's like one of my favorite movies growing up as well. Um, ask you about Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, that's another movie I remember exactly where I was when I watched that movie because I was in third grade and we had like an ice cream party or what have you. And um, they were like, we're going to watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I had never seen it. <clears throat> and I remember as a kid thinking well, no, it, was, it was funny, but it was extremely weird. And as an adult, I realized why it was weird because it was directed by Tim Burton. And, you know, you got Tim Burton, you got Paul Rubens, and you got E.G. Daly. And um, Tim, I've grown to love that movie a whole lot. And I relate to it a lot, too, because, like, even recently, I ride a bicycle everywhere. <clears throat> and recently, my bicycle got stolen. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, it got retrieved, you know. Um, and that's a whole funny story. But... Um, but yeah, it's just that feeling of loving something like your bike or cherishing something like feeling right. violated um, that uh, something got stolen from you. So I could totally relate to that movie. Um, what was it like working with those wonderful people? And I want to paint a picture for people too, because like that movie is like one of the first movies where like um, in the 80s where like Pee Wee was just like kind of, kind of on the cusp of becoming this big thing. You know what I mean? I mean, and Pee Wee Herman is actually the inspiration for um, Jaleel White becoming Urkel. You know, he said it in an interview on a podcast. He said, like, two inspirations for Urkel was Pee Wee Herman and Ed Grimmel. <laughs> so yeah. what was it like being now, on set? Now he's got his own line of pot with Snoop. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's crazy. Hey, um, I don't know how, okay. I'm going to try to answer this as, as, as best as I can. Um, it was an unknown. Okay. To me, and pretty much an unknown to everybody else, uh, what this film would turn out to be. Um, I had seen Paul Rubens on late night television maybe twice. Uh, you know, dressed up like Pee Wee and, and doing the crazy stuff. I thought, well, this is funny or whatever, but I hadn't, you know, I hadn't seen an HBO special. I, I, I didn't really, uh, you know, uh, understand how popular the character was. Right. Uh, Tim Burton, uh, his credit at that time was a short film called Frankenweenie that I mm. hadn't seen uh, and uh, saw it years later. And I went, golly, this is you know, this is a this is a real good indication of where he's going to go with the, uh, you know, the uh, the animation later on. Right. <laughs> it's in perfectly. Um, 
and then uh, you know you had uh, I had people uh, like uh, uh, you know I didn't really know anybody in the Groundlings, so I had uh, you know Phil Hartman from the Groundlings and Michael Barhall uh, was uh, the, the third writer. Um, so I didn't uh, I, I I really didn't know anything, but you know I I had a casting. I had had to go to a to an audition. Okay. And, uh, I don't remember going to a preliminary audition. I remember going straight to Warner Brothers and walking in and there's everybody. Wow. Everybody's in there, plus a lot of people and the executive producer. And I'm going, holy shit. <laughs> you know, this is uh, talk about intimidating. I bet. Uh, and uh, they said, uh, well, we'd like for you to read with Paul. And I went, oh, okay, great. And then I look over and, okay, yeah, that's that's him out of the peewee thing. And we ran through it and they had a nice reaction and said, thank you for coming in. So I, I think by the time I got home, which, you know, after slugging it out in LA traffic and everything uh, and, and got to my, my, my little uh, cassette recorder, my, my, uh, voice machine uh mm -hmm. there was you know said you know give us a call and uh and they had made made the deal so uh that that's how that happened it was just kind of like divine intervention oh yeah um, they they had pretty much called me in just in case their first choice died <laughs> you know yeah. uh, or something like that or backed out on them and uh, it it turned out that uh Therefore, first choice uh, wanted the moon, and uh, they just went ahead and made the deal with me. And when they eventually called back with a, a counter offer that was, I, I hear, pretty ridiculous too, uh, then uh, it was like, sorry, roles already cast. Wow. I didn't know. I didn't know about that till a long time afterwards. Oh man. So, yeah. Anyway, um, and then you know the rest. The rest is history. Uh, that that film is probably uh, it's it's certainly you know in in, in the films that, that I've done uh, probably has is uh, probably the best comedy uh, from that uh, time period or any other time period. It's, I, I think it's absolutely you know one of those uh, films from that period time period where you cannot find unless you look for it anything that dates that movie. I, mm. You can't. You can't come up with with another film that was like it or oh, absolutely not. To it. And uh, anyway, it's it's uh, it was an honor and a privilege to do it, and it's still an honor and a privilege. And you know, I run into people; it's like four generations deep now. Uh, wow! It, I, uh, I remember my dad took me to see the movie, and now and you know, I took taken my kids, and uh, and uh, now they they've got kids. And uh, they'll bring them to conventions and stuff to me. So it's it's like wow, uh, you know, I was completely in the dark that any of this was going on in the background over the decades until recently. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's a mind blower when you, you come to grips with it and accept it. And uh, anyway, that's all I have to say about Pee Wee's Big Adventure for the time being. <laughs> 
I always thought, I always thought like, you know, it was more than just Francis getting the bike. I was always thought like, because he had money, he was just jealous of Pee Wee and his, his, and his, his simplicity for, you know, um, for, for not, you know, just his simplicity of just, you know, having something that simple. So I always felt like he was just trying to get the happiness that Pee Wee had, you know what I'm saying? It was more than just the bike. I don't know if you ever, I mean, was that in your mind when you were playing the character? He he was he was definitely the only other character written on uh, on Pee Wee's level. He was the only adult child, right? And and so you know they yeah every every great hero deserves a a good villain, and uh, and it was it was just a lot, a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I I had I had the the honor of going to, to Dallas when uh, Paul was touring with, I guess, the 35th anniversary uh, tour, coast to coast, in these beautiful theaters. And I mean, uh, oh, God, Emmanuel, it was just uh, this, this old theater in, in uh, Dallas was, was just gorgeous. And um, they, uh, they ran uh, the MTV footage. Uh, it was okay. the first, first premiere in the history of MTV live. So I had never seen it. You know, I was on my way or whatever. I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't able to see it. I, I, you know, somehow missed seeing it all these years. And then, you know, there it is on the big screen. So I got treated to that. And then they went into the mo movie. And, uh, you know, when they got to the Alamo, you got uh, some uh, half drunk Texans that just exploded. <laughs> You know, the stars at night are big and, you know, just, you know, they brought the rap. Keep in the heart, Texas. Absolutely. And uh, if you haven't seen the, that, that scene with Texans, you haven't lived. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Paul came out and, and talked about the movie. And uh, he uh, had had a, a notebook with him uh, and set the notebook aside, setting on, sitting on a chair and pulled out a balloon and blew up the balloon and did about 20 minutes of some of the funniest comedy I've ever seen with a balloon. Uh, uh, just, uh, uh, he, he's a comedic genius. Oh yeah. Uh, the place was just wrecked the place uh, before he even, you know, started starting, uh, you know, telling things that I'm going, God, I didn't know that. I, I never knew that. So, you know, I was just as blown away as, as anybody there. Uh, the, the, the things I was finding out. Um, so uh, God, I'm glad I went because I, you know, I, I would I would still be clueless to all these cool things that were going on in the background and after the film. And now, did you ever get a chance to um, talk to E.G. Daly, who um, people, for people who don't know, she does the voice of uh, Tommy Pickles. She uh, she sings. She does the voice of Buttercup from the no, sorry, Bubbles. But the Powerpuff Girl, she's a talent too. Um, did you get a chance to um, um, on set? Did you get a chance to talk to her as well? Uh, at at the big uh, driving scene at the end, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, maybe one or, one or two other occasions, I, I don't remember, but I know definitely at you know at, at the drive-in uh, because she of course comes up with Pee Wee, right? Uh, after uh, he gets uh, blown into the stratosphere off the bike so wow um, yeah she uh she's had a, a just a, 
such a, a great career. I mean, uh, you know, I never, you know, dreamed at the time that she would become this voice goddess. Oh uh, yeah. I'll hear, I'll hear a child's voice on Instagram and I have to look to make sure it's not her. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's like one of the big voices in, in, in the, in the animated industry. You got, I mean, it's either her or it's going to be Tara Strong or it's going to be Chris Summer. Uh, you know, there's tons of people who are just yeah. like tons of talented people. And yeah. yeah. Um, and she's you ever, so young and beautiful. That's what kids. Oh made. yeah. She really uh, is like, and the sequel, and also when he had his show, I was hoping to see a return of Francis, but that never happened. Was there ever talks to that? Um, there was a, uh, a, a change of uh, studios ah. and, uh, and, and, a, and an upset in the, in the hierarchy of uh, what went on that uh, was out, out of my you know, control until it was over with. And done, uh, but yeah, there was there was there was talk, and uh, I had a, a sequel writer on my contract. If there was a sequel, then you know negotiations would start at X amount, but that you know it didn't happen. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just uh, one of those things that we're, you know, if you think you've got a, a sure deal in Hollywood, you probably don't, and you shouldn't bank on it. You know. Uh, I've known a lot of guys over the years will get a series. And uh, they'll spend money like they've already shot the first 13 episodes and they get canceled after six. Okay. And wow. What do I do now? I got an apartment I can't afford anymore. I've got a car payment I can't make. I've got this big ass stereo that's, you know, I bought on, you wow. know, on, on, uh, on, on credit. So yeah, it's if uh, I don't care what you do, but if, if you don't, get a hold of your, uh, you know, money management or whatever, uh, you're going to have trouble, even in the, the best situations. Mm. So. Absolutely, man. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, first of all, before I even, before, before I go on with the next question, can you say, because you, you worked on, on Leprechaun, I'm not a big horror movie guy, but um, my friend Chris is, can you say hello to my friend Chris? Hey, and Chris. Also, and my friend Akissa. And me and her, we both love Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Um, um, so yeah, um, one, so, the, okay, so <clears throat> I have a question, like, the future of movies. So, like, recently, not recently, maybe, like, six months ago, there was a director named Ava DuVernay, um, and she had said something that kind of shook me to my core, because I'm a movie lover and I'm a movie goer, and she said, um, that she sees that, like, the eventually movie theaters or the movie going experience is, is going to start, start to become extinct because there's so much content out there coming out through streaming. And it's like a fast, it's like fast, fast, fast paced, um, um, and you know, uh, process now. I mean, it's not like, you know, back in the day I had to go to a movie theater in order to see my favorite movie. Now it's like, I still have to do that, but I could really wait two months and then it'll be on streaming in no time. Um, and it makes me sick to my stomach to think about that. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, where do, you, where do you see the future of movies going? Well, um, streaming and everything. Right now, I've just pretty much as a consumer, I've just pretty much given up. You know, if I hear about something that interests me, I'll make a little note and try to follow up on it. And 
you know, there's, there's such a, a growing list just on what's available now. I could never watch them all. Right. It's, it's just, uh, um, what would you call that? Uh, uh, it's, it's just saturation. It's just horribly saturated. If we're all you have to do, you know, is, is, uh, is, is make a movie, pump it out and it could, it could just disappear. I never hear about it. Uh, and then run across it later on. <clears throat> and the, um, the brick and mortar theaters, um, I hope they can figure it out. They're running people away, uh, because they're, they're trying to play this, you know, uh, whatever the market will bear thing. But, uh, if you, you know, if you want to take the two adults and three kids and, and buy all that popcorn, yeah, whatever. And, you know, you've already ponied up for the tickets. You've already ponied up for the gasoline. Oh, uh, gosh. So, uh, you know, it's like it's it's prohibitively expensive. So I don't I don't know what the answer is um, to to put smaller screens and more of them uh, is I know has been done, but but uh, you know it could end up to where the only uh, the only place you can really see a motion picture in a theater is IMAX, and you know what a loss it would be to where. IMAX, you know, well, we have all these IMAX, you know, classics and films, but there's nobody to show. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's concerning, you know, it's, it's, it's been going on slowly and uh, you, you never know which way it'll swing back or continue down the path it's going. I just, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. So that's, that's as, you know, much as I can say about it without you getting anything out of every, anything I said, because you already knew it. So, I, yeah, I mean, because yeah. even even as a, it's so crazy, like, because, you know, I have no problem with them putting out content like that. Like, say, for example, Star Wars. I love Star Wars. You know, that that's like another movie that I, I grew up loving, but they have so much content of it. To where, like, when a Star Wars movie does actually come out, you're just like, oh, okay. It's not an event anymore. There's no, like, oh, my gosh, Star Wars. It's like, oh, okay, another Star You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like it's, 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 it's like it's like quantity over quality, you know? I mean, and I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love The Mandalorian. When that, when that was out, I, I thought that was fantastic. But, like, some stuff is just like, it's, it's starting to become a little too much. And I hate to say that because I'm a fan of it. Um, and I, I just want them to kind of not take advantage of the fan base. Don't put out a lot of stuff because you know the fan base is going to watch it because the, of the label that's stuck on them. You know, put out stuff that's quality and it's going to make sense, you know? Well, they're, they're going to keep feeding that insatiable uh, desire until they start losing money. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the way it's, it's going to happen. That's what I think. Uh, but, but there seems to be an insatiable desire. Um, I saw a little uh, video of uh, parents with their kid dressed as a stormtrooper, little bitty guy, you know, like five, six years old. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they do the, the big Disneyland march and uh, Lord Vader comes by and the kid kneels and bows his head 
to Lord Vader. And I thought, God, that's kind of, it's kind of spooky. Kind of, right. I don't know how I feel about that. But um, you have um, uh, a, many generations that are, are ready to just, you know, stay in line and lockstep. And for some reason, the, uh, it's, it seems like there's an awful lot of concentration on uh, the dark side that uh, hmm. it seems like that that speaks to people which uh, uh, it's not a good place probably <laughs> uh, for our earth for our world right. uh, but, but um, you know I um, uh, again that's, that's all I have to say I mean it's uh, it's uh, in a galaxy far far away for me yeah Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, I want them to put out stuff. I just want them to think about what they're putting out and make sure it's quality. I just got a few, la few more questions for you um, that, that are, um, to me, like my most important ones. Um, one, how did the year of 2020 change you as a person? Um, you're talking about COVID. Uh but in general, because there's a lot of stuff that happened in years, like yeah. COVID and all this other stuff that happened. Yeah. And I feel like it was a, a turning point for me. Um, um, for, you know, for me having to go out there and still work because, you know, my job didn't care. So I had to go out there and still work. And I still had to make money. Um, but I, I learned for me, it's like I learned that if there is, if, there's, if you want to do anything, the time to do it is, is now. You know, so I created a podcast um, and I got other things in the works as well. And I just realized, like, you know, I believe in God and I don't think God just put me here to just work a job nine to five and just die. I think he put me here for a reason. So. Um, so, yeah. What, 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 how did 2020 change you? Well, I. I don't know what to say, except, uh, you know, I'm with you no matter what the world's doing. There's something else going on that's a lot bigger and then mm. we should pay attention to that first and then deal with uh, the world around us. Um, I wasn't that isolated because I'm in a small town and I'm pretty much isolated all the time anyway. Mm. Uh, but it did, you know, it was like, oh man, you know, this is, uh, you know, finally starting to eat on me. And I had a, a friend that uh, wanted to do a, a, a horror film. And uh, it was originally going to shoot it in, in New York State, which not in a million years. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, he called me up one day. He goes, well, what do you think about coming to um, coming to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania? And I went, what are you talking about? Gettysburg in the middle of COVID? He goes, we found an old hotel. It's got 99% of all the sets that we need already there. Oh, wow. Our locations and, you know, places for the sets that, that we're going to make. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to test everybody that goes in, shoot a film, and then, uh, you know, have, have all the food brought in and everything. And then uh, uh, nobody got sick. Nobody, uh, you know, got ill or killed or whatever. And I literally got off the plane, uh, got into a car, went to the hotel, walked in the hotel, shot the film, and walked out of the hotel and went straight back to the uh, to the airport. And uh, 
it's like, wow, how, how did, how did I manage to, you know, get, get a break from the isolation? Uh, when, at about the time, you know, it starts kind of eating on you. Mm. So I, I was, I was blessed, blessed. And, and, you know, when I say that, uh, uh, I know you mean it the same way I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, how can people reach you and what other, I, I know you do a lot of um, cons. Um, do you have anything coming up? I think in the next month, you got something coming up, but also about how, how can people reach you if they want to reach you? Um, I'm on Instagram at official Mark Holson. Uh, and, uh, and that's probably the, the, the best way to reach me is go on there and follow me and drop me a note. Um, if you want to send me an email, uh, I, I, I try to, you know, keep that, uh, you know, business only or whatever, but it's simple contact Mark Holton at Gmail. Okay. Uh, I am, I am doing uh, a lot of, uh, conventions, uh, this year. And I guess from now on, you know, if, if I can, uh, you know, continue to, to be successful at it, I've been, uh, I'll be in Oklahoma city, uh, the first weekend in, uh, August. And okay. second weekend in August, I'll be in Dallas. Nice. And uh, in September, I will be at FallCon. Uh, and then I, I'm I'm actually uh, booked all the way into uh, March next year. Oh wow, really that's great! Together. You know, it's it's you know it's it's not uh, they're, they're never you know I I don't like to talk about things until they're announced uh, because you know sure as hell uh, the last. Um, uh, one of the, the last uh, podcasts that I did, I, I announced that I was going to be in Indianapolis, and didn't happen. Didn't happen. Things happen, yeah. Yeah. The ever-shifting sands beneath our feet, Emmanuel. <laughs> got to keep going. I, yeah, definitely. You got to keep, you got to learn how to pivot, man. That's all I learned from this whole podcasting thing, man. Like, people can, like, say they're going to do something, and then they're like, oh, I can't do it, and just like, like, okay, you got to accept it and just keep on moving and pivot. So, yeah. um, I, but I really appreciate your time. I'm glad you decided to come on, man, because this has been a treat for me. And um, again, like I said, man, thank you for, you know, this this whole podcast is about um, giving a person their flowers. And I want to say thank you for being a part of like some movies that I love, man. And your character plays a, your characters played an important part in those movies, you know, um, like from Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf 2. And Pee Wee's Big Adventure, man. I have to say thank you for being a part of my childhood, man. And um, keep on pushing, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you for the flowers. And, and that's exactly why I wore this today. Because I, I, I did that, man. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, a very cool sell. And I wish you all the luck in the world. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. And um, I hope you have a fantastic day, man. And um, enjoy the rest of your day. You too, Emmanuel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.